Football season will be here quicker than you think. When planning your football trips, we know that one of the biggest pains is arranging your pregame tailgate party. This season, let GridironTailgates.com take care of all of your tailgating needs. They provide everything for your large private party, including a private party tent, tables, satellite TV, catering, a personal bartender, and setup and takedown. Visit GridironTailgates.com and enter promo code PAC12, P-A-C-1-2, to receive 10% off your group's next tailgate or call 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com are here to make your tailgate experience easy, affordable, and enjoyable. Again, that phone number is 303-359-5328. GridironTailgates.com. Enter code PAC12. Now available in more homes than the PAC12 network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack. And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC. We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we are the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. Got a great show for you today. Got a bunch of questions, different topics. If you would like to express your concerns or your any issues you have about the Pac-12 about us if you want to talk to us or about your anything, love you know yeah. express your love your love can be expressed a number of ways and we are basically running the show during the offseason with what you say so you control the show if you want to email <laughs> us Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com or if you would like to tweet at us we got a bunch of tweets at Pac-12 podcast you can also call or text and the number is 424 424- Five three two zero six seven eight toll free. Except there's going to be a toll. Um, do people pay for calls anymore, Dave? Or that's that's just the thing of the past. So I think I was having this conversation with some other people um, very recently, and we all had, were like, "Wait, nobody pays." Like, but then I remembered there are because my dad still does this, um, where there's like pay by minute phones and those sorts of things. Oh, and I'm sure those things have weird long distance and pay call rules so i think if you're on like a major plan maybe not but if you're on one of those things or like i don't know what does metro pcs do yeah, you know, one sure. of those things yeah those might be more of a more of a, a pay-as-you-go type deal and that's and that's that's why we say what we say for you yeah, well, I mean, that's because one eight hundred numbers are one eight four four eight. What it's like all those no, that's still a thing. So like toll free numbers are still like a thing, but you know if for all the millennials out there, you never heard uh, like commercials for MCI free long distance or blah 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 like whatever it was like. There used to be a whole big battle of trying to get your home phone business. So there was that back in the day. You got you should Google that stuff. It was actually kind of. Kind of weird. What was People, the one? What was the one that charged money? Was that nine hundred numbers? One nine hundred numbers. You would, yeah. So there could be that uh, was for like the sex talk stuff, right? But it was even our industry. So we like um, people That's recruiting. Right. That's right. There was recruiting one nine hundred numbers back in the day. So 
Um, so just proving that this really is a porn addiction for these recruiting people, <laughs> you would call that number and you would just have some like middle-aged guy whispering in your ear, telling you all about recruits. Right. <laughs> they would drag it on and an official visit for, wait, turn the page, you know, it was, uh, let me, let me tell you all about this five-star baby. Yeah. I love it. It's uh, that's, that's we kind of, you know, we've kind of gone down some weird uh, rabbit hole here. We we actually we Dave and I were talking for about 20 minutes before the show. <laughs> and he's like, are we recording? <laughs> it's like we should have been. It was there's a lot of it, it was really an, it was actually an interesting conversation about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right? I'll ask Dave about, you know, things that, you know, I don't really follow too much. And he'll give me his story. We we're talking zombie apocalypse and uh, just. Yeah. I think the one thing to note everybody out there is if there is a zombie apocalypse, um, gas doesn't last forever. So don't believe what you're saying on The Walking Dead. You're not siphoning gas from a car five years after it was Bicycle abandoned. and I would prioritize a very good stabbing weapon. That yeah. doesn't mean you don't have a gun, but I would definitely have a very good stabbing weapon. Yeah, I like that. If the slashing with the, you know, I love samurai sword. That's great. I, I would almost want to take some lessons on how to. Right. How to do that? Because I, you know, I probably don't want to just pull that out. But we've learned over the years, especially. I mean, if we're looking at the Romans with the way they use their swords, the stab, the puncture wound, is generally a more effective stopping mechanism than any sort of slash. Oh, very nice. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we'll probably dive into some of this stuff too uh, <laughs> during the show. <laughs> I just feel like it's going to be one of those things. We are. It is June. Um, well, there's like 70 something days until the season kicks off. And so we're just, you know, we're doing our thing, moving along, uh, before we jump into, we got some topics and some questions. We do have a new sponsor, uh, here on the podcast of champions with people are sponsoring us, Dave. Like this is amazing. It's amazing. They, yeah. So I don't Finest know. If you heard, thing. Yeah. This is a cool. So I've heard of this company. I'm a little surprised that they wanted the sponsor because this is like a hip company, true noblest. Uh, so I don't know if you guys have heard of them before, but go check it out. There's some cool uh, ads if you get a, go on YouTube, but um, so it's high quality athletic wear that has a lot of motivational uh, factors to it. And they'll, you know, just, you know, trying to get you to work out more. If you are looking for something like that, true noblest is your answer. It has their motto is quality over everything. So at true noblest, you get top quality products with great designs that are updated every month. So check back on the website. It's a really easy website to use and they have new stuff coming all the time. Uh, there's great casual wear for any fitness enthusiasts out there. T-shirts, tanks, sweatshirts, accessories. Uh, there's a selection for men, women, and you got children. It's family owned and operated by a U.S. Army veteran. So you can go check out True Noblest Casual Wear by going to true, T-R-U, hyphen noblest, N-O-B-I-L-I-S.com. That's true hyphen use our code champs as of podcast of champions champs to get 20% off your order. So true noblest.com true hyphen noblest.com. Remember to use the code champs and get 20% off your order. So my order is in already and I haven't got it yet. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting some cool new workout gear, Dave. Yeah. And it's some cool looking stuff. Um, definitely a, a pretty dark colored black motif. Um, so, you know, that's something good to work out in. Not going to show too many sweat stains. I see a, I see a shirt that says Beast on the front. So those who uh, were talking about Beast mode in our in our mentions and uh, in our email, hey, there's there's something for you. There's something for everybody. There's mugs. There's tumblers. There's hats. There's shirts. There's all kinds of stuff. Yeah, check we, it out. We're probably the lamest people promoting True Noblest because what I you know it's like a lot of hip hop stuff and like pe cool people that are doing this stuff. So thanks True Noblest for looking to us. I'm looking forward to 
wearing the stuff. Hopefully people don't make fun of me. I, I don't know. I got to work out if I wear it, though. I can't just, like, sit on the couch and watch TV. There you go. Nice. There you go. Uh, okay, so one of the things, Dave, I wanted to talk about, I, I brought this up, I think, two weeks ago. We had a question. Let me read it. It was, um, I think Mark had the question. Uh, it was Mark and Torrance. He's a UCLA alum. If each Pac-12 athletic program had to go back in time and change one thing, what would it be? Hiring a different coach at a pivotal time, stuff like that, building an on-campus stadium. Uh, so he wanted to get our thoughts, so I sent an email out, and we got a few responses. I forgot to mention them last week. Um, so I'll, I'll try to read them real quick. We got uh, Chris Fetters at Washington. He said, for UW, I would say hiring Todd Turner as the athletic director in 2004 to help clean up the 80s mess proved to be fairly catastrophic. From the beginning, he never got along with the hardcore Washington sports fans, calling them internet half-brains. That, that probably doesn't work all that well, Dave. I, I, <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't guess. Uh, many questions is his desire to win because of his Tyrone Willingham hire and the subsequent backing of Willingham, even though even though Willingham proved disastrous. Yeah, that 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 seems pretty, you know. Seems fair. Seems yeah. like a fair assessment. He said it probably wasn't feasible at the time, but if Mark Emmer had the the regents and had the foresight at the time to hire from within, they could have gone with someone like Jen Cohen, USC's current athletic director. She had been working in the department since 1998. She didn't have the requisite experience. But by hiring Turner, the school pretty much doomed the department to mediocrity when it came to football. So uh, that so that was that one. That's interesting. We had uh, Adam Munster Tiger write in uh, from Colorado. If Colorado's administration could go back, they would fire Dan Hawkins after the 2009 season, his fourth fourth season in Boulder. It was very clear to everyone the program was spiraling downward under his watch at that point. In fact. Mike Bone, the athletic director at the time, was planning to fire him until the president of the university stepped in and told him to give Hawkins another year. The president uh, did this not because he had faith in Hawkins, but because he was going to have to go in front of the state legislator to lobby for state funding that offseason. Since Colorado was still buying out Gary Barnett's contract via loan from the university, the president thought it would be a bad look if they were having to pay off the contract of two fired coaches at the same time. Well, that, that ended up having to do well, they ended up having to do that anyway because Hawkins was fired after the 2010 campaign. Hawkins was in lame duck status for an entire year, and it destroyed Colorado's recruiting efforts during that time. Really, two recruiting classes. That, along with quite a few transfers, left the cupboard empty. Mike Bone did not do the Buffaloes any favors by hiring John Embry, who was not qualified for the head coaching gig. But honestly, the next coach was set up to fail no matter who was going to take the job. Instead of hiring Hawkins in 2006, the Buffs would have obviously loved to go back and hire Chris Peterson from Boise State instead. Hmm. What do you think about that one, Dave? That would have been a tough hire at that point because wasn't Hawkins coming directly from Boise State himself? Yeah, I thought so. Maybe Peterson was the was he Peterson was his OC, I believe. I think so. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look, but I think that's what was going on at the time. Yeah, I mean, I always like to look at like who were the other like actual realistic options, and maybe it was Peterson. I don't know if they were looking at his OC as well. Um, when they hired Hawkins. Um, but like, that's why when I was doing the UCLA one, instead of hiring Carl Durrell, it was, it's not like, Oh, instead of hiring Carl Durrell, hire Urban Meyer, it's hire whoever the other option was Mike Riley. Um, yeah. If you look at like the records, Gary Barnett, like from a record perspective, um, was doing pretty much fine when you contextualize it with what came after. 
I mean, he had one five and seven year in 2003, but then he went eight and five and seven and six. Um, and I think there were, I, I have to throw my memory back that far, but I think there were off field issues that played into his um, ultimate firing. Maybe you have a better memory of that. Um, but contextualizing that with what came after, uh, yeah, and the Hawkins hire and his retention is definitely a turning point for Colorado football and not in a good way. Not, not in a good way. All right. Uh, we got two more. Uh, let's go Washington State. So Greg uh, Witter wrote in. He said two key turning points of the adverse variety in Washington State history. Mike Price would have stayed on as head coach following his second Rose Bowl appearance with the Cougs if the school had boosted salaries for his assistant coaches to the Pac-12 average. He only wanted a normal raise himself. The school president wouldn't even discuss the matter, so Price left for Alabama. With Price's players, the Cougars won 10 games again in 2003, but recruiting became a dumpster fire that doomed the Cougs to a full decade of losing football. That's interesting. And then from the 1930s into the 40s, the football program was a force under College Football Hall of Fame coach Babe Hollingberry. Hollingberry? Hollingberry, yeah. The program was put on ice during World War II, but Hollingberry was set to return at war's end. Washington State offered him $7,000 to come back. And he wanted the $8,000 he was making before the war. Wow, they were going to bump him down. Uh, The two sides parted ways over $1,000, and Washington State moved on to a series of ho-hum hires who mired the program in 15 years of woe. Man, when your point of divergence is like pre-World War II, you're really like talking about a lot of possibilities then, right? Like you're talking about like the the subsequent timeline for Washington State could have been they could have been USC, man. Who knows, Who knows what would yeah. have happened if things had been different before 1940-something. Decisions are big. Like, it's funny. Like, I love the the concept of a decision. And sometimes, you know, you make a bad decision and you see it right away. Sometimes it takes five years. I mean, you don't know a bad decision made 70 years ago could be, you know, what it could have impacted for the last 70 years. You know, it's it's insane uh, something like that, you know, a thousand dollars then, you know, a lot of money, but really just getting him paid what he was getting paid before the war seems fairly reasonable from an outsider. I would guess. I would think so. Yeah, I would, I would certainly think so. Um, and with Mike Price, also, like, also he, he continues the PAC 10 PAC 12 PCC's tradition of, um, having just excellent pre-war names of the coaches. <laughs> like, just like chew on Babe Hollingberry for a little while. And then when you've had a minute to really, you know, ingest that one, look at Albert Exendine. Ooh, that's a good Great. one. Or, or how about, can I interest you in an Emery Alvord? I would be interested. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's, <laughs> this is some vintage old timey names here and I'm really excited for it. What happened to those? I mean, where where the names go? Like you know, families didn't die off. There's, those last names have to be there. Where they people change them for stage names or something. I don't know. I, I think that's part of um, the 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 information age. You know, we just are all too connected. So the like weird regionalisms of certain names have just kind of fallen by the wayside. Uh, and uh, I think we're getting a little bit more sameness to a lot of the names now, which right. is why I admire the people who just say no. I'm going to name my kid something else, something yeah. different. Just doing it. 
Was that what you did with your kids? Just name something different? Um, I just named I, I named my children after progressively shittier cities. <laughs> so I start with <laughs> Berkeley, which is like a mildly kind of crappy city. Um, and next, the next one was Abilene, which is a oh. very crappy city. And so if we have a third and it's a girl, I was thinking Blythe. Okay. That's pretty cool. I, I like that theme. Yeah. You know? I'm, 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 yeah. I like theme names. I don't yeah, like- yeah, no. I, 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 it's maybe not the best theme. Um, it's but, a different theme. It's one I haven't really heard of, so that's cool. Yeah, it's just one to go with, yeah. right? I like it, Dave. Uh, the other <laughs> thing was Mike Price. Uh, yeah, I mean, you just want if you're going to the Rose Bowl and uh, you just want average salaries for your assistant coaches, that seems reasonable. Yeah. So, a bad decision there. Um, we got one last one. So Shannon Carroll, we need to get her on too. She's the new uh, Cal publisher. Um, so she said, I think with Cal, it might be letting Bruce Snyder leave for Arizona state before Snyder, the bears had a rather unremarkable, uh, Joe cap, uh, I'm sorry, unremarkable Joe cap running things in Berkeley, but Snyder came in and really rebuilt and retooled the system. The bears were, uh, on the up and up with him at the helm, especially after that 1990 season. And he created pure magic in Berkeley in the 1991 season Cal finished the year with the highest with its, with its highest ranking since 1950, but then ASU lured Snyder away, and new Cal athletic athletic director Bob uh, Bockrath didn't do much to keep Snyder in Berkeley. Uh, Bockrath then passed over on then OC Steve Mariucci to hire Washington OC uh, Keith Gilbertson, who wasn't successful, only to give Mariucci the job the following year. Uh, amusingly, Snyder's team went seven and two against the Bears with as good uh, at Snyder was at recruiting and the way the program was trending. You can't help but wonder if the direction of the program would have taken if he'd had stayed. That's good stuff. Yeah. Um, can I interest you in the names of uh, Cal's um, coaches like from 1947 and before? I would love, yeah. I, yeah. All right. All right. We've got a Pappy Waldorf. <laughs> That's awesome. We've got a Buck Shaw. I, is that is that David Shaw's like long lost? I think lost? that might be. I think it might be like it's a Bay Area thing, so maybe you know. No, it is. It is very much not, <laughs> unless. Yeah, there's that. It doesn't look likely, judging by the photo. Um, <laughs> Stub Allison. That's uh, I like that. I like the I'm girl's gonna... last name, like the girl's first name's as last name. Oh, that seems so to be good. a thing. And right? I, I like having like uh, just a random noun as the first name. You know, <laughs> Stub. Um, and then um. Bill Ingram, whatever, that's fine, normal. And then, like, this might be the winner of all winners, Nibs Price. Wow. Nibs. Nibs. N-I-B-S. Nibs. Honey, what do you want to name him? I think we're going to go with Nibs. Like, Nibs. I don't even want to click conversation. on his name to find out it was a nickname. I want to believe. I want to sit here and believe that that is his first name. That is his given and proper name, Nibs Price. Pop like like a Pop Warner, like stuff like those are real things. Like this, I love this. It's stuff. so good. It's so good. It's and so it's much like, better than what we have. Cut off. Yeah. We're like 1950 or before. Yeah, you're gonna have a weird bonkers name if you're doing anything in life. <laughs> um, and after 1950, and yeah, if you're your successful, name, your name your name is gonna be John or like Ryan. Like it's gonna be just some boring ass name like that. Yeah, we're in a, a different, probably different name sort of craze now. But yeah, that back then there were some really cool ass names. I love it. You know, it, yeah. it, way cooler than what, um, you know, what we have now. But yeah. if we ever have a boy, I'm going with Pappy. I think. I, I think like that it. seems obvious now. 
Cool. All right. Well, I wanted to get to those emails. Thanks uh, to the four people who responded. We, you know, if, uh, what was it, Jim Rome? If you ever listen to Jim Rome, he used to say like, bang your monkey, which was like, make sure your affiliates carrying our, so whatever radio state you were in like Detroit, he wanted you to call the program director for the Detroit radio station to make sure you got the full three hours, or whatever, like he had some thing. So if you're like, uh, you know, a, um, Stanford fan, and you were wondering why RJ Abadia didn't write in. I'm sorry to call you out, RJ, but write RJ. You know, po- post on the message bang, board on the bang bootleg. your monkey. Bang your monkey. Right? Tell them, RJ. If if Ryan and Dave ask you a question about Stanford, send them an answer. We want to hear about Stanford on the podcast. That's goddamn right. I like that. Should we bang, bang your monkey, your monkey <laughs> at all times? <laughs> that was his, that With was a real fervor. thing. I remember that it was like probably in the I don't know if when I listened that was like in the nineties or he's not even in L A anymore but um, I think it was the nineties or early two thousands like I just remember that yeah well, um what else do we have to talk about we got to talk about our our man our man up in Pullman right uh Bill Moose he moved on are you uh, someone Bill else Moose, um, I was thinking more of the uh, of the Mike Leach variety oh yes he's he was in the news a little. How is our crazy uncle doing? He's doing okay. Uh, it wasn't so. This was something. If you follow on Twitter, and I think I've I've grown to realize that, like, even though sometimes as sports people, like, we can live on Twitter, like, it's not the whole world that does. There's definitely some crazy people that do. Um, Mike Leach is one of those guys who'll come out of the woodwork and tweet some weird stuff. He well, did, and the other thing you realize about Twitter, and we'll get to this part of it. It rots your brain. It rots it to its core. And when people say, people say like, you know, I really love this website. And I'm thinking about, I'm not even thinking of Twitter as a website. It's like this, I don't know, but that's, I get, obviously that's what it is. No, it is a feed into the id. It is awful. <laughs> it is an awful website. But there was a little bit of a feud between um, a national sports writer uh, Dan Wolken. I don't. Have we had Dan on? I, I've had him on like my show. I don't know if we've had I him on. I don't believe we have. Um, he's a like thirty-something national reporter for the USA Today, who used to just do college football, but now he's doing. He does other stuff too. He was like covered the Olympics, and everything. Um, has had some feuds with fan bases and stuff in the past. A huge one with Tennessee is going on. Anyone in Tennessee hates Dan Wolken, so Tennessee fans are all behind Mike Leach on this one. But there was a little bit of back and forth between those two guys. And I don't think any other sports writers really engaged in this one. So it was more of a Wolken leech sort of thing. But I, I don't know what you thought about it. It was kind of kind of a crazy exchange. Well, th- so it started because Leach um, tweeted out a video, which, uh, like, not even to get into the politics of it. It was like a, a video of Obama that had been stitched together, like, a different like pieces of the same speech to say something that it like, <laughs> look, I have a bunch of objections to Obama's policies. I know Ryan does. I know a lot of people out there do it, but it was stitched together such that it was saying something that he hadn't said. And then Leach basically put up this post where like, I'm just asking questions about this, like clearly doctored video and all the people in his mentions and somewhat very politely were responding to him like, Hey coach, just so you know that, speech is like wildly doctored here's the actual video of that speech um and he just kept like he kept like kind of doubling down on it and i think woken got i think woken gets a little performative with this stuff but he got um 
and, and decided that he was going to regulate Leech a little bit, which I think is justifiable um, because Leech does have a platform and it's contributing to our like insane culture of like just whatever, say whatever you want because it doesn't matter if it's true or not. Um, but uh, it just, I mean, it's just, I, I, I think it more speaks to the Twitter rot than anything where yeah. it's just so easy to use your platform to say like demonstrably untrue things to just feel free to like, and I, I, and I don't mean this like even in a large sense, but like you can just say something and it can get amplified. And if it sounds good enough, you know, it can just get, you know, picked up and pushed on. Um, and it allows people to say just kind of vile and awful things to each other that they would never say in person. So, um, horrible platform. Um, it allowed us all to see that Mike Leach is like everyone's uncle sending them a weird forward, Cohen forward, Cohen forward. That is like some <laughs> nonsense video that doesn't mean anything. Um, but I don't know how much more to take from it like that. I think everyone knew that Mike Leach was, a you know, bent a little bit more towards the conservative side of the spectrum. Um, but, um, uh, somebody should probably be watching his Twitter account. So he stops doing stuff like that. Yeah, there was, it was, I mean, it was just weird the way it went down. It could have been one of those things like, Oh, you know, I didn't realize that that was like doctored together. Here's what I still don't like about it or whatever. Sorry about, you know, there could have been some kind of. Uh, yeah. But like that's, but the thing with Mike Leach is he's also incapable of that. <laughs> like that's, that's like a rational person's like response to doing something where they're an error would be to say something like, Oh, I screwed that up. You know, I didn't like, here's the things I don't like about Obama. I don't like the, you know, the global policies or whatever, like yada, 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 and have a valid conversation with your followers about that. That's great. Engage on that level. Um, but <laughs> it was to just double down on something that is like obviously false. And you're like, you're a face of a major university. My man, you have to have a little bit more discernment than that. Like yeah. just a little bit. And, uh, it's, it's crazy. So I think the only, the only one that I saw, the only national writer was Wolken that like kind of got into it with him. And it got, came to the point where, and Wolken had tweeted something about like, you know, Leach was saying, I don't know who you are. And Wolken said, well, he gave me his cell phone like last year. So like they had talked and Leach blocked him on Twitter, but like then like challenged him some sort of debate, which I would love to see. Um, I would, I, I think that would be awesome. Um, Cause you know, Wolken definitely is a controversial figure. You know, you talk to different sports writers and you know, there's, there's kind of a mixed, you know, feelings about it. he's always been, you know, nice to me. I like tweeting with him and stuff. There's no, you know, Nothing along there, but like I saw the, the, you know, because my wife's a Tennessee grad, all these Tennessee fans were just all over him um, because he was, he broke the, the news about Greg Schiano going to get well, the job. And, and, and also it was broken about Wolken that he was um, sidling up to the John uh, Tennessee AD. Yeah, yeah John exactly. Curry. Yeah. So he was in, so they released John Curry's like all of his, you know, uh, information from his university phones and stuff like that. So there were emails and texts and stuff with Wolken. And I didn't think it looked all that bad. I mean, you're going to try to, you know, build up sources. You're trying to be nice to people. You know, I, I didn't feel like Wolken was trying to, uh, you know, help Curry, like do anything, but um, the Tennessee fans just were all, I mean, they were just all over him. And I, like, I couldn't even talk anything to my wife, like, 
hey, you know, I, I don't think he was really trying to do this or whatever, but they hate him. So I think they're all on Legion's side. Well, the Plus, funniest almost... thing about this, like, honestly, the funniest thing about this is I didn't even, until you mentioned the Wolken angle, I hadn't even, like, seen that piece of it. Oh, okay. I saw it, like, soon after Leech tweeted it, and I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, this is just a, like... Again, I, I like I keep going to like the it's your you know your wild ass uncle who has crazy conspiracy theories sending you a forwarded email, but whatever analogy you want to use, I'm like, oh come on, man, you're the face of a university. Stop. I mean, there's so many legitimate reasons to be angry with like so many different political things. You don't need to make stuff up. Like it doesn't need to be fake um, videos. Um, so. Just the fact that it was even out there. And I saw Wolken's response, and his initial response I actually thought was fine. It was like, wow, this this isn't something that Leach should do. But then I saw he wrote a column. I never ended up reading it because I functionally don't read anybody's columns. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm sure that's what drew uh, Mike Leach's ire. But, I mean, Leach, like, and I think Leach tweeted something afterwards like, hey, you know, that that video was incomplete or something like that, which is probably a little bit half. Yeah. So what he wrote, what he tweeted was uh, afterwards, he wrote, this is the complete speech. I agree that the video was incomplete and that's not what the video, I mean, it was incomplete because somebody had deliberately doctored it to say something that it wasn't saying. So uh, whatever. It's very stupid. We live in a very dumb world and we're all just trying to fight our way through it. So, um, if you just Google, just put in Mike Leach, and and, and it's going to come up Mike Leach Obama, Mike Leach. So you, it's oh yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's worth it's worth spending. Look, it's not worth spending any time, but at the same time, whatever. What else are you doing with your time? Spend ten minutes reading about this. It's very dumb, kind of funny, also awful. And if you think too hard about it, it might make you. A little depressed for the entire world. Speaking of time, when you mentioned like spend ten minutes, like you're spending two hours, whatever, listening to us, you probably have time to, to watch it. But we did so. Uh, we had to kind of squeeze in a show last week, and we did an hour. You know, it was an hour, which is you know pretty normal podcast time, but not the haters came out of the woodwork. They're about like our the hour kind of show. a show they call it. it. Wasn't even like a real show. They thought because it was an hour. I. I I love and I also um, despise every one of you out there. <laughs> mostly love, mostly love. Um, a little bit despise. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was kind of strange. Um, well, there was also so I, I was gonna. I, one of the topics I wanted to talk about today was I had sent Dave a text a couple hours ago or before the show. Hey, are you gonna be able to start like? on time or early like asking him something like that. And then there was no response. And I was, I was expecting us to go into the show with, I just, he just never responded. And then I was going to say something like, so in my mind, you have to like, you know, do the Dave translation. It, and it could have meant, um, I'm barely going to make it, you know, on time. I'll probably be a half hour late, which is one of the things if he doesn't respond or two was, I just don't like you. I'm never talking to you again. So I, was was that kind of right? Was I right on there in my read? If you didn't respond, I was I was I was somewhat busy, and I I knew that I needed to respond, but it it wasn't it wasn't so pressing that I was going to respond right then. Okay, that's cool. But my my take of that you you might have just decided to never want to do the show again and not talk to me anymore. That, that was a possibility. Right, right. No, no, no. It wasn't off the table. Okay. I think that's valid of you to consider <laughs> that as a possibility. It's never quite off the table. I like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. 
But I also sent Dave an email during the week about something that we should probably talk about in the show. And then again, and this is zero response. All right. This is huge news. (laughs) All right. Is everyone sitting down? I have to imagine most of you are, but if you're listening at the gym, it might be worthwhile to just take a second, hit pause on that treadmill and just bask in this knowledge. Do you want to announce it or should I? No, go ahead. I I would rather you. Yes. Okay. The Pac-12 is set to televise. And this is a – all right, I just want to be clear before I finish that sentence. This is an important press release that we were sent, okay? This is this is big news. We were we – were, the reason they send us press releases is to publish these. These are important things. The Pac-12 is set to televise over 30 men's soccer games in 2018. Yeah. Can I – Cheer sound? Can I get a cheer sound? Oh, no, because I don't have my thing up. So, God, <laughs> Ryan. Uh, I could do it. Hold on. It's going to take me like a minute to get it going. I didn't. Uh, that, then, uh, then I think we've lost the moment. Yeah, sorry. I could edit one in, but I don't think I'm going to do that either. No, no, I think it's better to have it be very, very sad afterwards. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's huge, you know, because we, you know, we, we talk about the Pac 12 network and all the problems. If, if we had any. We, no one told us that they were going to be broadcasting 30 live men's soccer games. That changes the game. It's a game changer. So obviously they were timing this for the World Cup, trying to bank on that excitement people have for soccer. Um, which Dave and I do not have. Which we do not possess. Um, <laughs> been a lot of nil-nil, a lot of one-nil. All three and games by one, today by were one nil and nil nil. I mean zero zero <laughs> ties. Um, one zero today was the the theme. Three games today, all of them were one zero. It's great, lovely sport. I settled on like real legitimate concerns I have with the sport. I think what it is is it feels like we are permanently stuck in the pre shot clock four corners offense era of basketball. Yeah. Like where we just we're allowing a sport that could otherwise be better. I won't say great, but at least better to be needlessly killed by the fact that teams like at a certain level, a lot of teams don't have any incentive to get out on offense. Right. In any real way. A lot of teams that are under talented, they just like pack 10 guys back and just hope for the best. And it's just. It makes for, I guess, if you're like really into certain types of maneuvering of like how an offense attacks a like essentially 10 man defense, I guess that's interesting for some people, um, not for me. Um, and I think you could get a lot done if you, I, and I, I obviously it's a world popular sport. We're in the deep minority here, but just from like a, you know, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's good. Right. I know. I know that's a common truism. I, I think you could make it better. I think you could make it better worldwide. Add like a three-minute shot clock to the stupid thing, and okay, and cut the field like by a third. Do both of those things, and I think you'll improve the sport drastically. I think you get rid of offsides. Just like so stupid. Like I hate I, that. I don't mind offsides. It's needlessly complex, but I don't mind every sport having its own like bullshit nonsense rule, like the infield fly rule. Like whatever. Okay, everybody can have their own nonsense. That's fine. Um, I just I, I think you're like it's it's this massive field, like so much field, and 
I just don't, I just don't see the need. Like, it, maybe not cut it by a third, but cut it by a quarter. It's not like you need to go full indoor soccer where you can like bounce the ball off the top of the wall behind the other team's goal from your own goal. But That'd be cool. Just make it a little bit smaller, a little bit tighter, and add a shot clock, and basically turn it into a better version of what it is now. Because most flow sports need something like that. Um, I think hockey runs into a lot of the same problems. At least it's a smaller rink, um, and they've done some things to increase scoring. Um, but it, look, soccer's world popular. They're never going to change any of the rules, so it's worthless no, to talk yeah. about it. I think it would improve with some of those changes. The, I was so I put on the Spain Iran game, um, and so uh, on while I was like getting ready for the show and. Uh, Spain had scored like some weird goal where it like bounced off a defender. Like it was just like some stupid goal. So it was one nothing game, Spain won. But uh, Iran scored uh, a goal and it was like, it looked pretty exciting. And it was like, it's offsides, you know? And it's like, it's in the box. Like there was already a bunch of activity. But like if a defender runs up and you just happen to be closer to the goal than he is when the ball's kicked, like you're offsides. And it's always like if it's close, they call it offsides. Like those dudes on the side, like with the flags, like I think their whole job is just to, you know, hey, this is offsides or not. If that's all you're looking for for 90 minutes, it's like you seem to find it more often than not. If they could let that like go, like the close ones go, like make it be clearly offsides or or have like a blue line, you know, where it's like, Hey, once you get past this line, go wherever the hell you want. You know, something like that uh, would be. Yeah, modifying modifying the rule, I think, would be good. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't have an opposition to offsides in general. Maybe that's just from my playing days because you run into cherry picking and all that shit. Um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, I think you could adapt certain things and change it up a little bit. I don't see why not. And well, just because it's like everybody. I, I, the other thing is. Like, and I know this is something that, like, I think some people get excited about, like, in terms of not knowing exactly how much time is left. But that bothers the shit out of me. Like, oh, that's just, just arbitrary. Stop, just yeah. stop the clock when the ball goes out of bounds. Yes. Like, if stop some guy's, like, somebody gets hurt. Faking injury. Just, a guy gets just, tapped on the shoulder and falls over and acts like yeah. he was dead, like, shot. And you're like, that guy tapped you on the shoulder. Like, they, sh- I love seeing those gifts come by on my Tweet, yeah. you know, tweet thing like what do you think about this like some guy gets touched and he just falls down like he was dead yeah i don't see what you're losing by just stopping the clock i know they like doing the running clock but it it works out that you're ending up having to give extra time anyway so i just just stop with the running clock yeah so many bad things about this sport like may, maybe the worst sport in the world like Maybe it's the worst sport in the world, the worst and most popular sport in the world. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I know in Uruguay it's it's amazing, but you know, uh, <laughs> we're not in Uruguay, you know. So it's like no, no. Uh, but you know, and <laughs> I love, I just love trolling the soccer people. That a lot Dude, of them smart. Somebody, up. somebody got heated with me when I did a little bit of light trolling on Twitter. Oh. Uh, over the weekend those are fun but like i think a lot of the the, the to, to their credit some of the diehard soccer fans have now sort of backed off they don't take the bait every single time it used to be so bad you just mentioned something like something you know some silly thing about soccer. i tweeted someone today it was like hey maybe this sport will become popular enough where they could do it every year instead of every four years you know it's just little things like that and you, they were you just don't understand it's the most like they would just go off every time you said i think a lot of them have kind of backed off and they're not as just um 
defensive about it now, but there's still some that are so over the top and they just fight and fight and fight and they they don't realize how how stupid they sound. But it it's it's a great to be a catalyst for that. You just put a little energy in and you see all this energy come out. So great. Uh, that's our soccer rant for today. I actually, <laughs> I actually put that down on the agenda. Like, we have to talk about this. Well, I thought that was kind of funny when I sent you that, and I didn't get a response. But, you know, if we talk about the show, I guess that's good. I don't respond to emails. Right. That's true. That's, why would I do that? Uh, um, all right. So, emails and questions. Yeah. You want to start with the text? or I will read the text. All right. <clears throat> Uh, no name attached to this, but I'm sure it's somebody we know. It's just not threading. It's somebody who's a Sun Devil fan. Who knows? Uh, so Dave hates the desert because it gets to 110 to 120 degrees with no humidity, but lives in Georgia where the combo of 90 degrees with 100% humidity. I'll take the dry heat any day over the sauna. Also, a cactus symbol is pronounced sawaro. Kinda. Like, sort of. But, like, if you actually look at the, like, there's, like, this weird silent G thing where you need to do something a little bit different with the W. But, yeah, okay, fine. Um, is pronounced Sawaro. And Tucson isn't the only place they are found. See Tempe. Go Devils. Um, so I, I, I want to note something here. I hate the desert for a lot of reasons. But one of them is that it gets to 110 to 120 degrees with no humidity. I dislike Georgia for many reasons, one of them being that it gets to 90 degrees with 100% humidity. But Georgia has a lot of other stuff going on that kind of puts it over the top of the desert for me, namely that it like actually like the weather gets decent at different times of the year, um, whereas it doesn't get to like 100 degrees in February sometimes like it does in the desert. Um, And uh, there's actual like other like bits of topography besides like cacti and 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 like brownish colored ground um so <laughs> yeah I, I i i appreciate um like a little bit of verdant um you know pastures and those sorts of things that georgia gives me and the arizona desert does not um now if you want to talk northern arizona if you want to talk flagstaff i'm your man okay gotcha but um if we're talking everything south of phoenix whew, i'm out so I am uh, emoji illiterate, um, I would say. I just don't, you know, I don't do them on my phone. I don't follow them. Like, I'll do a smiley face or something, but that's really about it. I don't do other stuff. So he put a cactus emoji, I think, and then the saguaro stuff. So what was that referring to for those of us that don't remember five days ago or whatever we talked about this? Um, we talked about um, saguaros. You couldn't pronounce it. Um, like even half-assed properly. Nice. Okay. So I I corrected you and said it's saguaro, and I hit the G pretty hard, um, which is the very I mean it's the very like you know very bad speaking Spanish white American thing to say, um, but it's at least phonetically there. Um, and he was correcting me to say that the G is mostly silent there, which is correct. It's more like saguaro, um, but whatever and what were we talking about at the time like this was part of a question or what was the who knows i don't honestly who knows i can't give you context all i have is that little bit of reminder look you're you're asking me to expend a lot of memory (laughs) juice on this podcast and i just don't have it in me gotcha okay well okay speaking of memory juice we're gonna i got hithliday next um (laughs) hithliday's questions a lot of times i feel like 
like he's reading a thousand page book and he's on page 650 and he writes a note that doesn't really explain what page he's on or what he's talking about and just says that to you, hey, what about this? And you're like, what are you even talking about? Dude, do you get that feeling sometimes from Hitler Day? Like, I, I get the feeling that a lot of our listeners expect a little bit too much from us. They expect us to remember. of like us remembering a single thing that we've ever said before. <laughs> like if you're ever expecting logical consistency from show to show from me, I think Ryan's better about this, but if you're expecting it from me, I will sometimes – say something on a show and then say the opposite thing with equal, if not greater <laughs> conviction in the following show. True. This happens. Okay. Yes. And if you're expecting me to be consistent, that's on you. Okay. That's an error on your part. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I would agree with that. I think I'm in the same boat there. Uh, we don't really remember what we say, um, <laughs> but that's just, I guess that's just the way we are. So Hitler day, he says, uh, resolution, David, there's no Ralph's in Tucson. You can't voluntarily exercise the two interocular muscles and soccer is only the second worst televised sport. The worst is golf. I oh, would actually push back on that. I love watching golf. So I don't think, so I don't love watching golf by any means, but golf, like, if you take in a couple of minutes of golf, you're seeing like the not the not always the best, but you're seeing like the completion of an event, right? You're seeing somebody start off a hole, walk to it, finish the hole. Like you're seeing the whole thing. If you watch four minutes of soccer, you might not see anything yeah. besides a bunch of dudes passing the ball around at that half. What do you call it? The midpoint, whatever it is. Like that's not great that's that's terrible actually i think they call it the um, nil pitch line <laughs> I, I, I try to use the lingo yeah my god so, i would say you can't pass backwards either like you know no no like you know you're they're getting closer getting closer and they pass backwards pass back and they pass back the goalie i'm like what the hell are you doing you are all the way on the other side of the field you just pass back to your goalie who just kicks it to the middle of the field again and someone else gets it like stop doing that stuff that's dumb yeah yeah, I think it's called the half line. Is that right? Uh, it's the half. God, all this is so gone. It's for the me. kit line. The kit it's line. The kit line. It's the, it's the pitch line. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I, I'd actually push back on that. I think golf is actually a little bit superior. I don't think it's a. It's not a great sport. Um, I don't think it's a great sport to watch or play. I think it's a fun game for older folks to play because they can still kind of do it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't know if you're asking me like from a sport perspective, I'd probably rather play soccer than golf, but from a watching perspective, at least you can see the entirety of a, of a hole in golf. Yeah. If you just flip it on for a few minutes. What was he talking about? Your intraocular muscles. This was, I think I was talking about my grandfather's theory that he could exercise his eyes. Oh, wow. Okay. Without using glasses so that he could continue to maintain good vision, which I think I cited as this is an irrational thing that I believe. Like it's one of the more irrational things yeah. that I believe acknowledging the irrationality. And I'm sorry, there's no Ralphs in Tucson. Don't know what that was about, but that's fine. That was about the plastic bags. I'm I'm on a roll right you here. Know that was you're... about the plastic bags that were like urban tumbleweeds in Tucson. Okay, very good. And I said Ralphs bags. So uh, our fact checker Hitler Day is all over this. Also, Ryan, Ryan's off by an order of magnitude for Pac-12 revenues. But hey, who's counting? 
no wow. idea what that was about. Uh, <laughs> so I think so. I made a joke about um, the ACC, and they were getting ten million dollars per school, and I I said something like. You know, the Pac-12 is the same way, take out per school. I don't think that, if that's what you're talking about, that's not off by an order of magnitude. If if the Pac-12 network gets each school like a million bucks, that's like $12 million. Each school is getting $10 million at the ACC. So you might be off by 20%, but you're not off by an order of magnitude. If that's yeah. what he's talking about. Who knows, though? So, Hithliday, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking my tongue out. You can't see. I'm sure everyone looking for, I'm sure everyone's looking forward to the Washington versus Auburn opener. As a test of Pac-12 credibility, and we're all going to avert our eyes from Oregon State getting massacred at Ohio State the same day. You boys commented on USC Texas, UCLA Oklahoma last week. So that leaves three more Pac-12 versus Power 5 matchups in 2018. So besides those ones he mentioned, Michigan State at Arizona State, which I think is actually sneaky good. Um, North Carolina at Cal. That'd be a revenge game for North Carolina. And then Colorado at Nebraska. Hopefully the North Carolina at Cal game is at midnight Pacific. So, like, North Carolina gets a taste of what Cal did last year playing at, like, 6 a.m., whatever, you know. That would be magical. Um, I think Michigan State is actually projected to be pretty damn good this year. Um, They've kind of fully rebounded from um, uh, where they were two years ago. So I would anticipate that being an Arizona State loss unless Herm really has some magic up his sleeve. Um, just I, I think Michigan State's, you know, obviously they've got one of the better coaches in the game. Um, assuming he's still there, I don't know if Michigan State's scandals have worked its way all the way out yet, but assuming he's still there, Mark sure. Antonio. And if uh, Herm is but, still there by then, you know, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, but yeah, I would anticipate Michigan State winning that one somewhat comfortably. Uh, North Carolina at Cal, I think that'll be a Cal win. I don't think North Carolina is going to fully rebound from last year yet. Um, Colorado at Nebraska is interesting. I've got just more because I think Scott Frost, it might take him a minute to get things completely rolling in Nebraska, but I think Nebraska is more talented. And um, Frost, I, I think he'll have him geared up for that. You know, that's the return of a rivalry game. So. I would anticipate Nebraska winning that. So I think the the real winnable one there for me is uh, Cal and North Carolina. I think the other two might just be a little bit too challenging for uh, for ASU and Colorado. Yeah, I, I mean, you hope Colorado's able to make a bowl game this year. Nebraska probably like you know I'm guessing like going to be like a seven and five sort of team, but you know within the next couple years could easily be ten win. You know, competing. Uh, for the division in in the Big Ten, I think Scott Frost is going to be good and he'll turn things around. But like you said, it's not going to happen right away. I love that it's an old rivalry. Uh, you know, both these <laughs> schools are not in the the conference they were in when they were rivals, but they get to play again. So I think that's great. But might be a little tough for for Colorado. But I think you're going to get Nebraska at the at the right time. I think you'd rather play them now than you know a couple of years from now or even later in the season. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think, you know, I think they get them second week. I think they get Colorado State first game, and then it's at Nebraska. So they'll get a little bit of a tune-up, too. Um, Colorado State's no slouch, but that's a winnable game. So maybe they build a little bit of confidence, then go into Lincoln and see what happens. Um, I just think Nebraska's going to just probably be a cut above. I think Colorado, having looked at them a little bit more, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned about my buffs this year. 
I'll just say that. We're going to get into our preview shows later on, but I'm a little bit concerned about my buffs. All right. Uh, should we go to the next one? Let's do it. All right. So this is from Scott in Washington. Um, his subject line is a little bit long. Um, David saying UW is his least favorite school and Wilner article about Arizona schools moving to the Big 12. Hi, Ryan slash Dave. Thanks for the mini pod last week. Something <laughs> is better than nothing, especially this time of year. Mini pod? It was an hour. It was an hour long. Um, <laughs> I was disappointed to hear Dave say that Washington was his team. Most likely he would leave at the gas station, so to speak. Maybe I would be the old, bitter, quote, get off my lawn guy as well if my team was known for taking four and five star talent out of high school and turning it into soft three star players by the time they leave Westwood, where UW, when we have the right guy, does the exact opposite. I mean, like, okay, sure. I, I, like, I get your point, but like, when has UCLA had the right guy? Like, if we're really getting into that. Like, when was the last time? Rick Rick Neuheisel. He was... Oh, obviously. Obviously, it was a trick <laughs> question. The last time both schools had the right guy, it was Rick Neuheisel. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, fair point, fair point. I'll take that lump. Um, now for my question. A few weeks back, John Wilner wrote an article saying that if the Big 12 asked the Arizona schools to join their conference because of their heavy reliance on, of heavy reliance on kids in California in recruiting, they would not be interested. What if the Big 12 wanted them and the L.A. schools to pay out to each of those schools versus what the Pac-12 is and will get when their next TV contract deal comes up? It's probably $12 million more than what they are getting currently, plus it would open all four schools up to the Texas market. Interested in your thoughts? Thanks, and go dogs. I don't know if the L.A. schools would leave without um, – I don't know if they would leave as a unit with the Arizona schools and not grab um, – Cal and Stanford. Cal and Stanford, the traditional rivals. Yeah. I think the Pac-8 as a unit would rather stay together. I think, like, Arizona's and Utah and Colorado, I think they seem like more likely free agents at some point, but I don't see the Pac-8 ever really wanting to split up. Yeah, it just, it, you know, I think if you look at the numbers, I think, you know, as a fan, for whatever, you could see great reasons to do some of these things, but I agree with Dave. I don't think they would would pull a trigger, even if it made all kinds of financial sense. And like you said, open up recruiting into Texas more. Um, I mean, you can rely so much on just recruiting in California that that'd be nice. It'd be nice to have something like that, but um, they just seem to feel comfortable. Like, like Dave said, with the pack eight in that group, I, I just don't see that really breaking up. Even if you found some really good reasons to do it, I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the LA the LA schools together would certainly be a great package if you're talking about if you know there was some crazy alignment if something happened and there was you know mergers or whatever like they would bring a lot to the table because of the television market and things like that and I think we talked about was it last week the the top five rated games from the Pac-12 last year they all involved either USC or UCLA. Yep. Um. But yeah, all right. So that was Scott and Washington with our mini pod. Uh, Big Nick. Hi, this is Nick in Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick 21 USC from the P. How's it going, Ryan Abraham and David, the lovable loser, Bruin Woods? Uh, we got to change that up a little bit, Nick. We, we got that same one 
I know. Uh, it's been every single time now. He used to have more variety. Come on, Nick. Come up with something different. You know, I, I don't know about Dave being a level loser. I mean, they're, they're come up with something, a little something different for Dave. But uh, can you two come up? Uh, I'm sorry. Can you two come up on a 2018 USC, UCLA slash UCLA team if they could combine the team's talents and hide weaknesses to make a super team? Would they be able to win a national title and, and beat Alabama and or Ohio State? Uh, fight on. Ooh, I don't know if either team has a quarterback. Yeah, so both you know both are replacing uh, you know top ten quarterbacks from the NFL draft. But how's how's USC's offensive line? I mean, it's it's a talented group, but it's it's they've underperformed, you know. So it's hard to say. Like I think it's going to be an important part. Because I think UCLA's relative strength and talent is probably like more defensive oriented, which is I think the same thing with USC, right? Yeah, they're a lot deeper uh, than they were in years past. Uh, there's you know some stars, but there's it's it's just more of like an overall good unit, I would say. So I'm not sure it would be the best combination, you know. I don't think yeah, I don't think they match up well for filling the other's weaknesses at all. If one of them had if one or the other had Rosen or Darnold, I would feel better about saying like tentatively yes. But without like a proven quarterback, I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think the combo team does it. So it's an interesting concept though, where like if you had, um, you know, some small town in Texas and they had like two high schools and budget cuts, they had to combine into one and they became one team. And it's like, who's the coach? Um, You know, what philosophy you're going with? But how much better that instant combination would be because both sides were building their rosters for, you know, and then, but you're never going to be able to get everything. But to combine the two, my gut feeling tells you there'd be this kind of influx of, I don't want to say a drum, but something that would uh, be a big spark that, you know, might help you along. I, I think combining just two random power five teams and you had like the best coach and whatever from that, um, and maybe it would take one team to just like pilfer the other team's players or something where you just bolster one team. I kind of think you would do pretty well. I don't know. There's probably studies and stuff when people have done something similar, but my gut feeling would be you could actually, you know, take two good Power Five teams, combine them, you might get something pretty darn good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, do you have you seen that? I've known that's happened before, where like high schools get combined. I'd be curious to see what the, you know, because there could be chemistry problems too. It's not just about, you know, talent. But as long as you had someone, you know, a good coach that could kind of get everyone to play together, I'd be curious to see how that would be. Um, not sure that. So like, so like Sukla. <laughs> would that be the? <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about the name. I was just. <laughs> I, I see. My mind jumps to how would I combine these two names? Oh yeah. Well, the the funny thing would be if the whatever there's some legislation that could pass where California is broken up into three states, um, where we would be in L.A. would be California, not Southern California. So like the University of Southern California wouldn't even be in Southern California because Southern California would be like San Diego County and stuff like that. Um, So I don't know if that would impact your name thing if we get there's a lot of stuff, you know. So it would be the University of California, like downtown, but they wouldn't be. It wouldn't be the University of California because no. that's probably copyrighted. So they would just make the USC uh, 
maybe it would be it would be like a lowercase s. It yes. would be <laughs> University of Southern California. Yeah, not the state right? Southern California. No, but the re- right. Wow, and, there's a lot going on there. And UCLA would be fine because they're the University of California. They're fine. Los yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But like University of San Diego would not be fine because they would have to be the University of Southern California, San Diego. So there's like a right? lot of weird stuff that would be going on. Yeah. They would have to be the USCSD. Yeah. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was important. That how, was do important we, how do we get into all that stuff? Um, Nick, I like the the concept. Uh, someone out there, Hitlerday, someone, uh, use your powers of research. I think I just my gut is that first year or two after combining two teams, you might do pretty well. That's just my gut feeling. Maybe some there's some research out there that will prove me wrong or right or whatever. Yeah. All right. You ready for this one? Uh, Probably not, but yeah. Let's do it. This okay. is from Chucky. Chucky. New, new red shirt transfer rule and an idea. Hi, guys. I enjoy the podcast immensely. I'm a 50 plus year Bruins fan. I'm excited about the Chip Kelly hire. I've bought season tickets for football for the first time, despite the long drive from San Luis Obispo County and LA traffic. Wow. That's dedication. That is 50 years. And from San Luis Obispo. That's, that's, a long, that's a long way, man. I really like the new four-game redshirt rule. I think it would also be beneficial to allow football players that are transferring to play four games during their transfer year, too. Interesting. I haven't heard about for that. Instance, for instance, Devin Asiasi would have been allowed to play in four games this past season in my proposal. So I think this is his proposal for what they should expand the rule to include. Um, I think this is better for the player and team for many of the same reasons the new redshirt rule is, while at the same time, it could be a mild deterrent to a wholesale transfer dilemma. Keep up the great work. Yeah, you know what? It would have to be like a give and take. I think it would have to be you allow them to do the four games, but maybe eliminate a lot of the grad transfer loophole. So it's just four games for anybody who transfers. Or you could just let everybody play as soon as they transfer, and I think that would be fine, too. So I, what would be, like, what's the reasoning behind you can transfer and play four games? So it would be a deterrent that you couldn't just transfer and play right away, but you could get your feet wet? Um, I guess. I guess that's the idea. But I, I, but if you're going to do that, just go whole hog. Let them play. Let them play. Yeah. Let them play. Get all bad news bears on it. <laughs> um. Would that have anything to do with amateurism? No, that would not screw anything up there, right? Because that's important. Amateurism is very important. Amateurism is extremely important. <laughs> I have no idea what it even means anymore, but it's very important. I'm told there was uh, a what was it you know, with Kyler Murray? I guess I guess they gave Lincoln Riley or he got a little bump because Kyler Murray was going to be the highest paid person. I think in Oklahoma, right? Like, well, besides yeah. like the the Thunder guys. Because uh, he was getting like four point seven million with his A's contract, he's so he's the quarterback uh, for Oklahoma. Was drafted in the first round, four point seven million dollars. But you're for the NCAA, that's okay because he's getting paid in another sport. But Lincoln Riley, the head coach, is now getting four point eight million. So he's he's just beating out um, Kyler Murray apparently. But yeah, yeah so you can't, if, you can't like get a job like doing something weird, but you can you know go pro in a different sport and make millions of dollars and still go to school yeah right i think that works. i think that checks out yes so kyler murray what he could not if you, you can't you can't get a stipend for food money but yeah i mean millions of dollars sure 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 yeah, yeah I think that's fine but if like home depot wanted to put him in like uh you know some department and you know 
say, hey, the Oklahoma quarterback's working here. Come, you know, come to our lumber yard and he'll help you out. Like that would be, no, you can't do that. You can't, you know, use your likeness <laughs> to help make money. But you can make four and a half or $4.7 million playing for the Oakland A's, which is weird. In ge- like if it was my son and he was like got a $4.7 million contract. And There's no I, way he's ever playing football again in life. Right. Like why would you? I he likes playing football. I mean, dude enjoys it. I get it. But like I also, I don't know. I'd be done. I'd be out. I'd be out the game. Yeah. And that's probably why I was never in the game. But <laughs> Well, you wonder how, how motivated is he going to be too? You know, like – do you lose? And is it going to cause any problems in the in the locker room where it's like, and can he just take like his offensive lineman out to like Mastro's every night and stuff like if he wants? Can he do that? Like it's like he can do stuff for his teammates, right? I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. all kinds of weird stuff. But where do you go in Oklahoma? It's not Mastro's. It's probably like what, like a local farm, steak. Some I'm sure there's some great some, steakhouse. Some place there. where they kill it on the hoof and you just like eat it over an open fire. I think it's Oklahoma. What was it? They don't have restaurants. Eskimo Joe's is a, a chain there, I believe. Uh, my sister, my sister lived there for a little while. Um, she worked. I'm just, I'm just ripping on Oklahoma over here. Don't so mind yeah. Me. Well, she worked at. Um, it was like a, a off thing of it was like Scripps Research for SeaWorld. She was like marine biology, and they did some kind of research out in Oklahoma, which I don't get because it's like that's nothing to do with the sea. But she lived out there for a while, and I remember she got me like an Eskimo Joe's shirt or something. So that was one of the big. Um, uh, what's it called? Big uh, things there. One of the big chains or something there. But yeah, I'm sure there's some great steakhouses and stuff like that. I'm sure. I'm sure. Nice. Um, I'm going to read this next one because it's very long. Oh. And I like to do you these solid favors from time to time. Nice. I did, I've ready? been doing a lot of the reading today. So we'll do, you know, that's yeah. good for you. You ready for Eric? Yeah. A relegation inspired thought. This is more of Eric, just, it's a relegation these are relegation inspired thoughts when it exceeds like a hundred words. It's not just a single thought. Okay. All right. Uh, Hey, Dave and Ryan, your relegation discussion was fun and I have another unrealistic, but fun idea. Sorry for the long email, but as I typed the basic concept, I kept thinking of things to add. The PAC 12 and the big 10 have always had a bond. So how about we have one team from each conference switch places each year? The switch teams would then be a one year full fledged member of the other conference and play the conference schedule of the team with whom they switched to keep things fair. The teams that switch in a given year would be matched up as somewhat equals. Start with the good teams to generate initial interest. USC and Ohio state switch one year, Washington and Michigan the next year, Stanford and Wisconsin, UCLA and Michigan state, et cetera, et cetera. Reasons for this to happen help to strengthen the Pac-12 Big Ten bond since the Rose Bowl now has a different format. The switch teams would play for conference pride and a test of conference strength. Imagine the bragging rights or humiliation if a switch team wins a division or the conference title. Picture USC playing Michigan State in the final game of the year for the Pac-12 South Championship, or perhaps Stanford playing Nebraska for the Big Ten West title. Potential increased ticket sales for the Switch teams, potential increased clothing and merchandise sales, uh, Washington Huskies, honorary Big Ten member, 2021, uh, road trips, all new road trips, increased exposure for both conferences, maybe good discussions about this on ESPN, Fox, etc. Potential increase in the TV audience and hopefully some better time slots for the games of the Switch teams include guidelines that no Big Ten home game starts before 1 p.m. Pacific time. One lucky Pac-12 team will have less games officiated by god-awful Pac-12 refs. Even the cellar dwellers would benefit. Oregon State could switch with maybe Indiana. Oregon State would get potential additional kickout ticket sales and increased exposure. All Pac-12 fans would be Oregon State fans that year as they root for conference pride. 
As I said, not realistic for many reasons, but it still sounds fun. Thoughts? Which conference would do better? Thanks, Bruin West. Okay, full bonkers idea. I like it, though. Um, I think it's fun. Uh, the question for me is, I think this makes more sense in the pre-BCS, pre-playoff era, when conferences were just kind of playing for conference titles and a mythical national championship. Um, so this kind of thing would be, uh, you know, I could see this kind of peculiar thing happening then. I just don't see it in their playoff era. It would be difficult for it to be um, to to come to fruition. Now, like thoughts on the particulars, I think it sounds great. I'd love it. If this happened tomorrow, I would be on board 100%. I just don't think it would. I agree with him. I think it's unrealistic, but I do think it's a fun idea. Uh, the problem is it's coming off of, for me, the problem is to cut, to spin this off of relegation, which you there's some fun aspects to it, and he mentions a lot of them, but not the the most fun of relegation is like you know you're getting voted off the island, like that's what I want to see. So this is just like uh, everyone takes turns, which is cool. Like I think it would be neat, like like you said, not realistic, but neat to do. But I really want to see something where it comes down to you know the last game of the year and. You know, is it going to be Colorado or is it going to be Oregon State going to the Mountain West? Like that to me would be the most fun thing ever. So I think this is fun, but because it got spun off relegation, it's hard for me to like dive into it as much as I would want to, if that makes sense, Dave. Yep. I'm with you. I'm with you. In this scenario, um, I think the Pac 12 would do better. Big Ten's overrated. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, Ohio State would do better than anybody, but like, I don't know. I, it's just it's just so different. I you know I think the maybe lower, the, the the like bottom part of the Big Ten is so trashy, like yeah. such garbage. I think the that, team that switches would have the disadvantage. You know, um, now you know it's like if you see a pitcher for the first time, you know when you would see the the first interleague stuff like. But I I think in general, if you got to go week in a week out with teams that are kind of similar. It's going to be hard, you know, like I, I I, would think the team that switches has a disadvantage. I don't think it would be like Stanford goes to the Big Ten and, and wipes everybody out or Ohio, even Ohio State coming to the Pac-12. Like they would probably have the best chance to wipe everybody out. But still, I, I think it would be harder to switch. Um, yeah, I think there would be the advantage for the, the people that remain. Right. All right. We have an update to the coaches cage match. This is from uh, Jared. He's a listener since our first podcast, so uh, Damn. Th- thank you, Jared. Uh, th- what are we? Three years now? Four? Is this like? Is we are. We are. We are. We are heading into. Well, no, we we passed our three year anniversary. Oh, because so. we that was post. Was it signing day ish or was it uh, summer? It was May. May. Okay. Like May ish. Gotcha. So, yeah. So this would be our fourth football season. Um, <laughs> hi, Ryan, and the Dirty Bruin co-host uh that's tough is jared a usc guy Uh, i I would assume so i guess a couple years ago you both broke down which coaches in the pac-12 would win in a cage match and the eventual winner being kyle uh whittingham he still would be uh that was then this is now seven when sark is gone rich rod failed at another job since leaving west virginia and even though todd graham ditched the britney spears microphone he used to wear that still didn't keep him employed at ASU. Is Whittingham still a champion, or who would take him down? I would love for you both to break down which coaches would 
take their division title in a cage match and then face off in a conference championship and who would be the winner? Jared, like I said, listener since the first podcast and he included a picture of a, it's it's Todd Graham with like looks like he has claws in his hands. Yeah, it's like the angry beaver version of Todd Graham. Yeah, it's really funny looking and then uh and the uh the headset like you're, you know, ordering uh, you're at the drive-thru window at at, at McDonald's, but the right. the claws are awesome. It's, this is a great picture. Okay, so let's break it down. Pac-12 South now encompasses Mike McIntyre, Kyle Whittingham, the reigning champ, um, Chip Kelly, which is a big drop down from um, uh, Mora, Jim Jim Mora, who yes. brought a little bit of who brings a little bit of crazy to the table. Let's just say it, you know, a little bit of passion. Um, USC, I, I, I think Clay Helton could probably hold his own in a fight a little bit better than Sark. Mm. That, I that feels know. that feels right. I know he's Mr. Nice Guy, but he at least looks more solid than Sark. Okay. Right? Or do you disagree? Yeah, but Sark you could be like hop, more frequently. He could be hopped up on something and Sark could there could be a little craziness oh, there. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So okay, so we'll call that a wash. Um ASU. I mean, where do we stand on that one? Okay. Herm's gonna be in shape. Yeah, but he's he's got some he's but got some years on Graham. Osteoporosis or whatever that stuff. <laughs> what he's is got that? some years on Graham. I think Herm is probably a slight upgrade. Graham never impressed me as like terrifically in shape. Yeah. Um. So I would probably go Herm there. Arizona you got Kevin Sumlin over Richrod. I think I take Richrod there. Richrod had a lot of anger. I, I haven't seen that anger from Kevin Sumlin. That's true. There's more anger there, but I think Sumlin's in better shape. Yeah, that's a good point. So we're we calling that one a wash too. Yeah, I would say that one's pretty close. Okay, so Whittingham, I think, is still the obvious. Yeah, there's title no one. Here. No one's coming in that's scaring unless they like teamed up. Like Whittingham's still going to win. You know, Cage I don't think. Be crazy. I don't think anyone else is even a contender in the South. Like I think it's probably Whittingham and then someone. Yeah, I guess. I think Whittingham. Like, would, I think he's one of the younger ones. He would be one of the national favorites. Like Whitting, like. I think you put his resume up next to anyone in a cage match, and it's going to be tough to beat him. Right. So let's go north then. Okay. Um, so north, you're starting with Chris Peterson, who, I mean, come on. He's not he's not fighting anybody. No. Mike Leach bringing a little bit of crazy, but he's kind of an out of shape, you know, in his, what, late 50s guy. Yeah. I don't know how There could be some eye gouging, or there could be something like you. I wouldn't yeah, want to I mean, fight I, him. I wouldn't want to fight him. Like, no. that wouldn't be fun. I don't want to fight anybody. Uh, but I especially wouldn't want to fight uh, somebody who's bringing that kind of wildness to a fight. Yeah. Um, Oregon, Mario Cristobal. Oh, wow. Contender. Contender. That snuck up on me, but that's a real contender. Yes. That's a contender with our man Kyle. That might actually be our winner. All right. So. And then you've got Jonathan Smith, who I, I feel about <laughs> I him the same enough. way I kind of feel about Chris Peterson. He's a quarterback, so it's like that that's not like what you're thinking in cage match, you know. Right. Maybe more of a, a tag team where his his partner's the one that gets dirty and he comes in at the end to get the, the pin and hold up the belt. Like I could see yeah, that exactly. for a quarterback, but not not like a cage match thing. Like he would be no. like doing stuff on the side and like goofing around and then maybe try to sneak in at the end and win. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and then you've got Stanford and Cal. So you've got David Shaw, who I think, you know, underrated. I think he's a solid contender, but not, um, not the top tier. And then Justin Wilcox. You know, like young in shape. I, 
that's a real I, the north is better a, the north is the north better. the north improved a great deal in the last couple of years yes You've, you're looking at an upgrade of justin wilcox over sunny dykes you're looking at a major upgrade of mario cristobal over mark helfrick i mean that's huge and you want if you want to add in jonathan smith that's probably an upgrade over gary patterson yeah i would say so not gary patterson uh God, gary, anderson. gary anderson gary anderson boy okay Gary Patterson's shot dead. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to take Cristobal out of the North. I think he combines youth and size better than anybody else on that list. Yeah, and what he was was he offensive lineman or he's like an offensive? Yeah, he's, lineman? A, and he, he's a big dude. Let's. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google Mario Cristobal height. Yeah, but he's also got a little bit of that OL coach to him too. Yeah, which is like you know, yeah, he was an offensive tackle, so. I think we're talking like at least six four. Yeah, so I I think he's your North winner. I still am going to go, like, I think Kyle Whittingham would like wrestle bears and stuff. Um, I I think it would be good. I think Whittingham might have like a couple broken teeth and like and be bloody and stuff, but he would go back and go fishing right after the fight with Cristobal. So I, I'm still going Whittingham. I think it's a big, I think the real thing here is the, the, the age difference I think does matter. You've got 47 year old Mario Cristobal and 58 year old Kyle Whittingham. I think those 11 years, I think that matters wow. in this fight. Um, you call I'm going to go, upset? I'm going to go Cristobal. I think Cristobal has the reach. I think he's got the, 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 the breadth. Um, I think he's, you know, an equally in shape dude. Um, and he's got the youth. So so give me Mario Cristobal here. I think he is the new Pac-12 cage match. Wow. Champion. Okay. Well, let us know what you think. I guess tweet us uh, or email us and tell us like how stupid or crazy Dave is or whatever you want to say. Like, that's fine. You know, do all that. <laughs> all right. You ready for this one? Uh, is this me or you? Oh, this is you. Okay. Uh, it's me. Oh, good. Me. You, I can do it if you want, but it doesn't matter. Oh, Steve. Steve in Salt Lake. <laughs> This is a long one, everyone. Tuck in. <laughs> Team slogans. Hey, guys, I would love to have been a fly on the wall during the dinner conversation Kevin Sumlin must have had with his family back in January. Kevin, good news, gang. We're moving out of College Station. Family, thank goodness we can't wait to get out of this hellhole. Kevin, and we're moving to Tucson. Family, why do you hate us? <laughs> Over the course of the last few weeks, there have been some great suggestions for what new slogans the conference could adopt to rebrand itself. That had me thinking, what if you were to do the same thing with the schools themselves? If you or your listeners could create a great new slogan for a Pac-12 school that best describes its current state of affairs, what would it be? I'm sure some of the listeners, Ryan and Dave, all being more clever and original than myself, can come up with better ideas, but here would be my crack at it. Oregon State, we're against relegation. Utah, we have the fifth most tenured offensive coordinator in the conference. Washington, our starting QB, threw for 2,700 yards last year, and only 2,500 of those yards were yards after the catch. Um, Oregon, we learned our lesson of hiring a Florida coach that, with any modicum of success, was going to bolt back to Florida by replacing him with a Florida coach that, with any modicum of success, will bolt back to Florida. I like that one. That's pretty good. But I like it. California, anything less than 10 and 2 or $400 million in debt will be considered a failure. (laughs) Um, Stanford, we have a 50,000-seat stadium and 83 fans. Uh, Washington State, have you seen our college game day flag? USC, our starting QB can finally see an R-rated movie. 
UCLA, we're the low-hanging fruit of pessimistic slogans. Uh, <laughs> Arizona, in a place that reaches 105 degrees, 90% of our stadium are metal bleachers. Arizona State, our most grounded and level-headed coach over the last decade was Dennis Erickson. <laughs> Colorado, don't ask us. We're still not sure how we won the South either. And lastly, a second one, Utah. We hired the guy who hired Steve Alford. Jealous? Thanks, guys. <laughs> Keep up the podcast. It makes my day neither better nor worse. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Uh, those are good. If you have any others out there, um, Ryan and I are reaching the second hour of this podcast, so we no longer have any thoughts. Right. And original. Those are good. I, I do like. I do like a lot of those. Um, yeah, come on. I mean, some good ones. Uh, I. What do you think about Kevin Sumlin's family? Do you think they really think that they hate that he hates them for moving them to Tucson? I. Uh, I mean, at a certain point, what conclusions must you draw? Right. If somebody keeps moving you to places that are worse and worse and worse over time, there's got to be something there, right? I'm not sure. Okay, it's Tucson worse than College Station. I've, okay, I've not been. Okay, that's a great point. That's a great point. I've if not somebody been... moved you to a place that is even with College Station. Okay. But I, I've heard, like, there's, like, a huge seven-on-seven seven tournament there that I was going to cover one year. It's, like, in, in College Station. And all of my friends – that cover like Texas or Texas, like they're down there. Like they dread it. It's like always 110 degrees. It's awful. They just, and, and they, a lot of people that covered A&M would live in like Houston or Dallas or something. And they would drive like three hours just to go to stuff. Um, so I'm guessing it's not the greatest place in the world. I don't know personally, but if I had to rank, I would guess that Tucson's ranked higher than, than there. It's just, it's, it's, it's closer to some stuff than tucson is okay college station yeah it's it's close ish to houston it's close ish to austin it's close ish to san antonio like there's stuff there i mean it's texas so you know you can you can have some thoughts about texas in general and college station isn't exactly the best part of it but i don't know tucson you've got phoenix and then you've got to go like drive forever to get anywhere else like, what's close to Tucson? You can go up to Phoenix. You can go over to El Paso. You can cross the border and go to Nogales. Huh. Like, what are you doing in Tucson? You're staying in Tucson. College Station, at least you can get to a major city with relative ease. Yeah. I don't know. I have to go check it out and see. But I, I've not been as – I'm not as down on Tucson as, like, you know, some people like Dave or, or others. But, you know, hey. That's just me. I, I try to be nice to our fans, you know, and like Dave just wants to bag on Washington. I'm surprised we didn't get more Washington hate mail because we get we have a lot of Washington listeners. Are they numb to us? Like, or just with the Jake Maybe they are. stuff? And I think they're honestly reaching a level of self-loathing that's only eclipsed by UCLA fans. <laughs> because like the amount of them who like when we rip on Jake Browning, they're just like, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> so good. I like the 2,700 yards and only 2,500 that was yards after the catch. So that was that was pretty good. I wonder what the real numbers are, but no, is it is it that? Um, I think we have one last question. Do it right. Uh, this is Alex. He says, "Hey, Dave and Ryan, Lonzo Ball and Kyle Kuzma are good buddies and Pac-12 alumni, but that hasn't stopped them from trashing each other, good natured mostly, on social media. You two have been doing." that for years now with Larry Scott and certain Pac-12 coaches, but what about each other? 
Maybe the true way to show your special bond would be to mean tweet each other. If you had to, how would you trash talk the other on social media while still being friends? Thanks for the great nonsense off-season content, Alex. Soon to no longer be in New York City. All right, Alex. Alex is moving, apparently. All right, we'll see you later, Alex. Um, do we do do know. we do some of this or I feel like we kind of do. I feel like we rip on each it's other on occasion. Not that often. I, Dave doesn't interact all that much. Dave's in a, Dave's world, so there's like, you know. <laughs> there's there's <laughs> like I, I I I come in, I swoop in, I have a few hours where I'll, where I'll like tweet about something in particular, and then I swoop out again, yeah. and I'm gone. And then I will dive bomb on occasion with a, like a snarky response to something that somebody else tweets. Yeah. They but that's do... my off-season behavior on Twitter. And there'll be like some some USC shots or whatever that Dave will take. I, I don't do a ton of those. I'm morally just like, I'll troll. I'll be snar- I'll be. I'm probably overly snarky. Maybe not. Ryan's, Dave... more, of a, Ryan's more of a quote-unquote journalist, um, whatever you want to call no, that. I don't know. Um, where I, 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 I am not, um, <laughs> I, I would not describe that as, uh, my, um, semi half-assed profession. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be a little bit snarkier, but I don't know. We don't have much hostility towards each other. No, I don't, I don't think we would do this if there was like hostility, but there's still little, like, you know, I would, lo- I love to talk about like Rick Neuheisel or whatever. And to, yeah. I mean, there's certain things that'll be, that will bring up, uh, it's for the most part, it's like I'm not going to rag on UCLA about. I mean, Dave about UCLA stuff, like because Dave does that himself. So he's. Already <laughs> like, I do it. I do yeah. it better than anybody like, else does it. Like I will that's, post that's a niche. Yeah, and I will be on Twitter saying, you know, why did USA hire this guy? Why did you know, like I? I'm questioning those things that Dave would be like. You know, if I was just adamantly defending USC no matter what they do, it's way easier to talk trash about that. For it to, or if Dave was like this, you know, whatever Dan Grow does is the best thing in the world. And, you know, Mora was awesome. He's the best. Like, that's not Dave. I mean, you know? at that point, you just get me checked, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get me evaluated. It's hard. Like, if you're kind of snarky and, and realistic and you sort of poke fun at the team that you cover, it's hard to, like, really go after. I would say it's hard to poke fun of that, you know, because you're you're already doing it. Yeah, and honestly, I find um, a lot of that stuff to be very, like, especially, like, in a professional setting, like, any kind of sports radio that goes too much in that way, where it's just, like, super adversarial, either off the record or on it, it's it's tiring, it's exhausting, and I don't think it's actually listenable in the long term. I think it gives a certain subset of fans some sort of, like, I've never been the person who, like, wants to, like, I don't know, talk shit to like my, my high school friends who went to USC. Right. Like that's never been the thing that like gets me fired up about fandom. It's more like, Oh, I want to, you know, see that my teams do well. Right. And so the, like the impulse to like, it's always this like zero sum thing where you have to like dump on other people to make it feel good. And the, the like performative aspect of that, where you're like listening to a talk radio show and you really want the like one co-host to dump on the other one for their opinions. It's just I don't. I've never really seen that part like as a necessity for me. Yeah, but I I would say I mean we get along well, but there'll be little 
shots taken and things like that on the show, whatever. I mean, there's, it's, yeah, it's kind of natural, but, but, but that's great. Yeah. I'm just saying the force stuff, like where you're just like, yeah, I don't think it's contrived. Like we're not doing it like to try to, when I, when I demonstrate hostility to Ryan, it's genuine, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When I'm like, Oh Dave, I looked at the website and you failed to update it, you know? And yeah. Like for, for Ryan's like type a organized personality, that's, that's frustrating. And he lets me know on the air. Um, for me, you know, somebody who's like, you know, checking in with me on many different communication methods. That's not frustrating because I still won't respond, but it's a thing. Sure. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, I know people said, now I don't get like the, so when you recorded the show a couple of weeks ago, I'd have to go back and listen. I didn't hear like a big quality difference. I don't know if you did too. Oh no, I, there was a major quality difference. Was there? Okay. Yeah, I don't think I can ever record it again. Um, no, there, it was pretty good. I thought so. Okay, so Dave trying to the, you know, the laundry thing, the dad getting out of doing laundry. But let us know. But I actually put a new microphone in, so hopefully it sounds a little bit better. Um. And I don't know for actual quality. Like I just do some, some editing to the waveforms and stuff. I don't know, Dave, what you do. We can we can talk about that and see. Although you you, I know you have no interest in that. But I I, I edit all waveforms, all forms of waves. I edit them. Edit them, and, and I just couldn't. You know, there was just something I think just wrong with the way I recorded it. That's just fundamental to the way I could ever <laughs> record it. And I just don't think that it's useful or uh, has a great deal of efficacy for me to attempt it again. All right. Well, <laughs> it's hard to argue. Because <laughs> uh, how do we get into all this stuff? I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, do you want to know the dictionary.com word of the day? Right? Yeah, let's do that. It's thigmotropism or thigmotropism. Thigmotrumpism? Is that what? No. Thigmotrumpism. Trumpism. Okay. This is, in biology, the oriented growth of an organism in response to mechanical contact as a plant tendril coiling around a string support. There is a word for that. There's a, a word for that? There's a word for that. That's amazing to me that there is a word for that specific process. How very German of us. Was there a need? Was there a need with their biologist somewhere going, what the hell do we... How many times would you have to describe that to need a word to do it? Yeah. And I thought you were talking like mechanical, like there was some sort of like... No, uh, no, no. The contact that causes this behavior is specifically mechanical. That's what gives us this word. Ah. So if it was contact with something that is not mechanical, it wouldn't be this word that causes that coiling around something. So if you have like a, you know, some vines in your yard and you put like a lattice up there for them to crawl up, is that, would that refer to this or is that not part of it? I want to say yes, at least by the definition that we're seeing here, that it would be, um, biologists weigh in on this. All right. (laughs) How many biologists do we have? I think we've got a couple. All right. Somebody who at least like studied biology in college and can tell us like what the hell this is actually saying. Yeah. Um, Cause like, it sounds like if you like took a metal rod and put it on like something and a vine went up it, that's what this is. Right. 
I think that that's that was my guess from what the the description at the end that you, of the of the definition. I, when you were reading the definition, that wasn't what I was thinking. But then that, that's not what I was thinking. But now I think that's what it is. Oriented growth of an organism in response to mechanical contact as a plant tendril coiling around a string support. Interesting. Uh, hey, I got a question for you. Sure. Okay. So this is strange. This is completely out of the blue. This might get to some politics, but I don't care. We're, we're at the end of the show. It's an hour and a half in. We're fine. Nobody's it's, listening anymore anyway. I, they, they are, though. They want longer shows and stuff. All right. So I had, I'm on, this is my 25th reunion. I think we talked about this before. I'm on the committee for the USC 25th reunion. So I got to like email people and tell them like, hey, we got a reunion coming up, all this stuff. Um, we were introduced, there was a committee meeting that was like on video conference and stuff. And we were introduced and they asked an interesting question like, what was your favorite class from USC? And I had to kind of go back. So that, I mean, it's been a long time, obviously. I remember in one of my integrated circuits classes and the, the, the professor was really tough and he ended up passing away recently, Dr. Choma, or a few years ago. I remember that there was like a cinema 101 class where you could like watch a movie. And as an engineer, you never got like fun classes. So that was kind of fun. And there was this introduction to law class that I remembered that this guy was so funny. He was kind of like this jolly guy who wore a bow tie. I couldn't remember his name. And then one of the guys on the committee is like a DA for LA and he remembered who it was. And one of the other people did too. And his name was Charles Whitebread. And I'm like, oh, you know, what's his, uh, you know, is he still there? And he passed away about 10 years ago. He had lung cancer. Um, But I, so, you know, it's hard to remember stuff from class. First, do you remember like a favorite class that you had? um, From from college? Yeah, from college. So, Ryan, the funny thing about me in college is I didn't attend any of my classes. Um, So my favorite (laughs) ones were the ones where I got good grades without actually having to put in a whole lot of work. Um, If I had – so my favorite things that I learned about in college – and, yeah, I had some – probably my Byzantine history classes. Okay. Um, That was – if I had an emphasis in my history major at UCLA, you don't need to emphasize anything. Uh, But if I had an emphasis, it would have been like – uh, early modern, late Middle Ages, uh, Middle Eastern history, and the Byzantine Empire was a big part of that. Oh, so, okay, yeah. Um, it's hard, you know, and you you're closer to college age than I am, but just when I remembered something like that, it was kind of he had this awesome personality. I read his obituary and uh, or in a memoriam that that USC put out, and everyone was saying all these really nice things about him. And you know, when someone passed away, but he was this generally cool guy. Uh, he happened to be gay. Um, and was, you know, but was, he, he spoke, uh, you know, was an expert on, um, the Supreme court law and stuff. And I remember something from his class and this was, so it's probably like 92 or something. And it was kind of relevant to what's been going on now. And I think I, I had, I had, I don't like to say political things on social media, but I had said this, Hey, my professor told me this a long time ago and I never forgot it. And people kind of got on me. And so what he was talking about was, he said, if you get pulled over by the police, um, don't tell them what your rights are. Don't just say yes or do whatever they say because they have a gun and you don't. If they're the time for a these are my rights. Are yes, in a, we, had this, we had this conversation. Did we? Okay, it was in a courtroom. Yeah. And so, so I remember this, him saying that and I was like, okay. And I remember – I think we did talk about this on the podcast. Um, no, it was not on the podcast. We were talking about this on Twitter. Oh, we were. But okay. It's, it's an interesting – so – 
from a very um so there's a there's there's the question with it um because yes from a very like utilitarian standpoint and from a very self-preservational standpoint um yeah that's obviously like the, the that's the real calculation is that person has a gun and i don't yeah he so said i know more what, about the law than anybody but i would never say that to like if i'm you know if someone's pulling me over or whatever but I would say he's not arguing from his authority as a legal perverse, per, uh, professor. He's arguing as a person. Like, that's his personal overriding philosophy. And it might very well be valid for him. Um, I think uh, I, I think some people are going to push back on that from a, well, if nobody ever pushes back on people with guns, then what do we end up with? Right. Because it's not necessarily true always that the people who have loaded weapons are the ones that you should be listening to. Even though, for a self-preservational standpoint, that may or may not be true. You know, it's it's like if, you know, from a, from a single person standpoint, is it better if it's a small thing to just avoid the risk of getting shot? Yeah, probably. But at what, where do you draw that line? Gotcha, um, okay. And I think that is... You know, that's a personal philosophy thing. If you're getting pulled over for speeding, yeah. I mean, but even then, if you get pulled over for speeding, and not to get into super political stuff, but if you get pulled over for speeding, um, it might depend on your background and your demographic. Because if you're, you know, me or you, we probably don't have any real trouble if we say to the cop, hey, no, I wasn't speeding. What are you talking about? But somebody who's from a different group might have a harder time with that. Gotcha. Well, that's. I, I just wanted to mention, and I love getting these little discussions with you, but um, mention his name. <laughs> he was someone I remembered from, you know, 20-something years ago and was this great personality. I was, it was, I was sad to hear just, you know, the other day that he had passed away, but it was cool to read some of the stuff about him. So for me, being an engineer, I think I had five electives like my whole college career. So I remembered those classes. Like I had a mythology class. I had a, you know, a uh, uh, the cinema class, and I had this law class that I really enjoyed because he was such a great uh, professor and stuff. But I just remember bringing it up, and it was like I wasn't trying to cause like controversy, but it was like this thing. Um, but it was something he told me that I never forgot to this day. And I, when I mentioned it, you know, because of like you know, obviously you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, yeah, no, and it's it's uh, it's always interesting when the the things that hit you a certain way when you're a certain age, and like kind of how it informs a lot of the stuff that you think then. You know, and it's I think your formative years extend a lot further than a lot of people think. Like, I think the things you hear when you're in your early 20s, late teens, all that stuff, like even though you're not yet in, you're not still in your super impressionable years, like still those things impact. Yeah. Um, and you can carry something that a professor says to you 25 years ago, um, you know, for a, for quite a long time. So that's cool. That's cool that he had an impact. Charles Whitebread, yeah. So thanks, thanks, uh, Professor Whitebread. Um, and he would make fun of his name and stuff because it's just weird. Things. That's that's perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. Uh, but maybe that's a topic where we we ask some of our listeners if they had a favorite class uh, from college. You know that they that that stuck with them. Um, you know, something like I was an engineer, so like I did a lot of engineering classes. I became an engineer. Obviously, I do this now. But there, you know, people that. I always find it fascinating that people that were like a communications major or history and they're like a, a you know, a, a, a like an insurance salesman now or whatever, like some completely different from whatever they studied. Like if something 
impacted them or changed their their road to to where they are today yeah that'd be interesting um i would say uh mine is is wholly lackluster but i would appreciate other people's <laughs> stories about how they actually <laughs> utilize their college years properly nice all right. Uh, any other nonsense, or should we just uh, end this one? God, I feel like we, now we should append the 20 minutes from the beginning of the show um, before we started recording, and just uh, and <laughs> somehow on. somehow find those 20 minutes and put them at the end. That would get that would get us to the two hour mark. They were certainly of a piece with the last 10 minutes. It was the apocalypse talk was kind of fun, you know. Just yeah, like, the apocalypse you know. was good. Um, um, I re- it's funny. I so we were talking like Walking Dead. Dave hasn't watched since like. Uh, season four i've watched them all i'm probably not gonna watch again i've just kind of i think it's kind of ran its course with me but i i ran into carl um at the airport and i said hi to him and stuff uh so so he's the son of uh, rick grimes on the show so uh, i ran into him at lax once you mean cool carl yeah you know, it, it does bug me that like Rick Grimes is like English, you know, like so he's got to do a fake accent and stuff. Like, yeah, so he can't actually say his son's name yeah. correctly. What's his? I forget English. the actor's name. For, for, uh, Andrew Lincoln. No, no, Andrew Lincoln, but then the um, the oh, Carl. Oh, the the the, the kid. Uh, I tw- I actually tweeted at it. He like liked the tweet. He's got like over a million followers. Like Carl. Like holy crap, man. Um, yeah. But Chandler Riggs. Chandler Riggs, yes. He was he was he was he was very nice. I said hello while he was getting his coffee. I said, Hey, just want to say hi, I'm a big fan. It's like, oh thanks. And uh that was cool. But we Dave does like the um sharp uh weapons that you don't need to reload. Yeah, uh, I think that's probably the way to go. Um I think bikes would be good. Like I don't think they utilize bikes enough because their gas is not gonna be around, you know. You get yeah, like you, you got a refinery going or something. Otherwise, you got no gas. Now you could do solar energy and electric cars. So until they break down, I don't know how if you, you know if you have like, like electric car maintenance people around, but you could do those. I think that would be. I they haven't addressed that. I think that would be much more reasonable. Yeah, for sure. But it would probably take a while to charge uh, a car. Yeah, with, and finding a charging port um, or like you know a. Um, a, a power station um, that's still operational. Yeah, you'd have to have like your own solar. Like, they had their own solar power for stuff, but it would probably take, I don't think, you know, you need, like, a 220-volt thing. I, you know, it'd probably need There'd a lot. There'd be a lot going on. Like, you would need a, a pretty good setup. I think once you get set up, you're in pretty good shape, though. Yeah. Um, but it's just a matter of getting that set up while, you know, not getting bitten by zombies. Yeah. And Dave was Dave seemed to be pro apocalypse. You know, he was like, yeah, yeah, no, I think I think I, I think a you know a, a strong subset of people are. I would appreciate a show as I was telling Ryan pre-show is n- enough with this like nonsense where everyone would be fighting each other while there are like literally things trying to eat you. I want to see a show where they like are realistically trying to restart civilization. Because what would you do first? You would build a fort. Like, that's what you would do. You would build a fort with high walls, nothing's getting in, and you would try to start farming. Like, that's what would happen, yeah. because you're trying to start at the beginning again and slowly kill off and expand that fort, right? I would like, think. Killing, killing, clearing land, and just farming. Like, none of these people are farming. They need to be farming. Right, they farmed a little bit, and like Rick became passive at one point. Oh, like, yeah, you know, it's season two, is that right? I don't know. It's like the, I think it was after they got the prison, and Rick became. Oh, right, they started farming in the prison yard. Yeah, 
don't need to be in a prison. Just build a fort, yeah. like build some walls. And they don't need to be like super robust walls. They just need to be enough to like not have something very slow walk into it and knock it over. Like, <laughs> come on. And we're both we're both of the slow zombie variety, not the like twenty eight yeah. days. Like, it, well, and mostly because it's not even fun to think about it. Because oh yeah, you just die. I'm like yo, well, yeah, I, yeah. Like I World War die, Z, I super quick. <laughs> yeah, World War Z, where they change in ten minute, in ten seconds, and then they're like super like the most athletic person on the planet. Like yeah, that that's. I mean, not that zombies are realistic, but those seem way more unrealistic. That seems bonkers. Yeah. Like people reanimating from the dead. Yeah, that seems normal. But them being able to run fast, pfft. yeah. Well, so we kind of remade a little bit of our. Uh, I yeah. yeah, I read one. There's this one zombie book I read where uh, they really addressed the gasoline thing. And I guess apparently, so the what the the hero in the book was a pilot, and I guess uh, for you know plane fuel that lasts like ten years, it like lasts longer. But for like regular gasoline, it starts to break down in like a year or something. Like it doesn't last all that long. So those would already be gone, but um, they actually address that in there. So I like the the realism of something like that. Yeah, I mean, has have have you ever like let a car sit like something that's like a little bit broken down for a long period of time? Because I have. Oh yeah. Uh, it's just not taking care of something that needs to be taken care of. And have you ever tried to like then start the thing after months at a time? Yeah, I have an old vet in the garage and uh, I, right now it's plugged in. Like my buddy brought over yesterday a, like something, a battery charger. Cause if I don't start it every couple of weeks or, you know, running around it, the battery will die. And yeah. So that happens battery a lot. Dies, and then in the long term, like the gas in the tank, like it's like, and the oil, like the oil congeals, like there's so much that like just does not pass any sort of smell test with restarting any cars. Yeah. That it's just, Anyway, this has been this has been the Talking Dead. <laughs> Ryan's Chris Hart. We could actually take over because um, now I haven't I haven't seen anything that initial day. Uh, I didn't know who the actress was that came out with, uh, but Chris Hardwick, uh, ex, is that his name? Uh, his ex girlfriend came out with all these allegations, and uh, yeah, it did not paint him in a in a in a great light. Favorable light, no, no. Which and I like watching. Usually, like I miss all the stuff like that's going on. So I watch the after show and then get told like, "Oh, do you see that in the corner? Oh no, I didn't see that. Okay." Um, and he seemed like the coolest guy, you know. Like, oh, this, this is really fun to watch a show. But then you read that stuff about about him, and it's like, oh, can I even like him anymore? Like that kind of sucks, you know. Yeah, it's like yeah. if you like this show and then it came out that Dave like you know, beat his kids all the time or something or, you know, like that. Yeah. You probably not want to listen to the show anymore. No. Or maybe it would make you want to listen to it more. Right. <laughs> what do you say about our listeners? I don't know. Like you already know, like if you hate UCLA people or you hate USC people, like that's one thing. But then if you find out like, you know, I, feel I, like I, I robbed won, a bank. I, we've or, won those people over by insulting those fan bases so many times. Yeah. But if like and, I robbed a bank or something or got, you know, like, was a uh, whatever you know, and they're like, "Ah, oh, he's kind of a scumbag. I don't want to listen to him anymore." You know? Yeah, that's a good point. So it's like, uh, I just, I, it's hard to. I would, I would appreciate you more if you robbed a bank. Really? Yeah. <laughs> or something worse if I shot somebody. Like you know, do something terrible. It probably depends on who you shot, honestly, <laughs> to me. All right. <laughs> you know, 
interested, real. Like, there's some people you'd shoot, right? Be like, oh, okay, I guess that's net neutral, Justify. or maybe even a small net gain. I don't know. Um, Justify. <laughs> like, if it's just random, yeah, it probably, you know, it's not like, you know, no random homicides. That's probably not great, but, you know, justifiable homicide, whatever. So you're pro-apocalypse. You're pro justifiable I'm pro-justifiable homicide. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Wow, we're we really in? going down. I feel like we probably said some things we shouldn't have said again on this show. I feel like we generally do. There was one, a couple weeks ago, you like texted me afterwards like, man, I shouldn't have said that. I don't forget what it was, but we don't need to say it again. But there, no, let's you know, not say it again. But yeah, no, I, I still regret that one. Um, <laughs> but what are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? We are, it is really a test. Are you listening at the hour and 48 <laughs> minute mark? I think we're just going to lose listeners in droves here pretty soon. No. I, I mean, it is. Okay, so the it's either this or nothing. Like, we, we're talking about everything that's going on in the Pac-12, which there's really not that much going on right now. So, And then we do a short show where we just talk about it, and then they kind of complain. And they rip us. They just rip us. Right. So rip us if you're like, you know, I'd rather you just talk for an hour about real things and not an extra 48 minutes of bull crap, yeah. you know. Let us know, um, but we'll see. I don't know. Whatever. I right, let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it. We up. got hour fifty. Like I think that's pretty good. That's good. Enough. I got to go down to USC and another workout. You know, it's like come on. Ugh. Uh, all right. Well, that's David Woods, and I am Ryan Abraham. Send all your hate mail to at David David Woods on Twitter or <laughs> at Pac Twelve Podcast at Gmail Dave will handle it all. So, uh, but thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time.